do we almost need another reformation in the sense of understanding the priesthood of all believers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could always use another reformation. Uh, pray, <laughs> right. pray for revival. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, that that is the case. We we need uh, to understand that that is our role, right? We we are each ministers of the truth that we have been saved by. If you are reconciled to God, He's entrusted you with the ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, yeah. and that's why we, we call people to evangelize. But at the same time, right, if He's if he's saved you by this word, He's called you to, to speak this world, word, even in that same context of royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2, it says He's called you out of darkness to, to proclaim His excellencies. You've been saved by an excellent God to proclaim His excellencies, Amen. not only to unbelievers, but to believers right. who need to hear of the of the God that they worship, who need to, to study His character, who need to hear of the gospel by which they've been saved as a, a, a boon and a strength and a, 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 you know, a motivation unto holy living. So yeah, we, we really are ministering the things of God to one another. Pardon my French. Uh-oh. <laughs> you don't know French. Did you see that? Okay, now, uh, Oscar, why'd you say uh-oh? Uh, just because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> because pardon my French. Usually means yeah. you're about to say something I don't want to hear. Right. It's usually cussing. Yeah, I was going to say it. Where did that come from? I don't know. Pardon my French. Are the French known for cussing a lot? You silly frog leg. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what. what the- <laughs> silly frog leg. <laughs> Singular, too. <laughs> I took four years of French, and I don't know any bad words. I took three. I did. Sacre bleu is bad word. What, what did you say it for? What are you doing? Wait a minute. Oh, did no. you really I, just say I, Are we going to have to bleep that? No, you don't have to bleep it. Pardon your French. Pardon your French. Your literal French. It's actually translated sacred blue. It pro- might be blasphemy or something. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, I, I just learned say it when it. I was in school. I learned it and I just say it. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't think, do you? That's your problem. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So that really just raised dad. That's so funny. Yeah. So, so yeah, we... We better look that up and make sure it's not bad because we may have to believe all of our up. French listeners are like, how could I know? But why, I, seriously, where does that come from? The, the French? Oh, from France. They, <laughs> they have dirty mouths. The oh. <laughs> Can you imagine a French pirate? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing I was thinking. Like French, it, it's such a cool and like elegant sounding language. It's hard to imagine there being profanity in French. It's like German. German's such a beautiful language. Well, I was going to say, ex- in fact, I have it written down here in my I know German sounds like 100% cussing, basically. I've looked it up. Sacre bleu just means uh, it's an expression of surprise. Oh. Oh, sure. So you were wrong, right? Well. Yeah. Well, it was what I was told. Was... You've been cussing at people in France this whole time, <laughs> not, not knowing you weren't I wonder cussing. why they just smiled back at me. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's crazy, man. You know, you think about... You think about profanity and... I don't want to think about <laughs> profanity. Thanks a lot. What is happening here? Life's a battle without you saying <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. And, and just seriously, the, the utter wickedness involved in man's depravity to think up some of the things that he thinks up. Well, if some people would stop cussing, they'd say what they want to say in about a tenth of the time. Oh, so true. Have you guys noticed, Wait. though, the elevation of profanity in our culture? Like... Want to give us an well, example? No, I mean, we, give we, an example. Well, okay. Well, we used to go, we, we'd go to the limited movies that we go to, which is hard these days, but um, the, the previews never had profanity in them. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm starting to hear profanity even in, in 
and those like we're we're having to not go as they're showing the previews because and in headlines when you read the news they they leave out one little vowel yeah. thinking we don't know what it is when the vowel's left out but it just says it it's yeah wrong. even some 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 of the talk news channels now they'll throw in a cuss word here and there you're seeing it happen with politicians really? and behind the pulpit cussing pastors no it's so oh, bad yeah oh, absolutely that's it's become no, yeah. but that, that's that's it's rare, isn't it? A cussing pastor. It's not like every local church is a. No, no. I mean, there, there's. Gotta I'm be. thinking of somebody very specific yeah. who ended up becoming known as the cussing pastor, and then he got disqualified, and yeah. now he started up another church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, cussabites. Air quotes, Oscar. He's. You know, how do you start a church when you're disqualified? Yeah, yeah. Air no, quotes. Great point. <laughs> but but I, I think you know there's something in the in the human heart that finds this sin. Is that what it's called? <laughs> S-I-N. Uh, but th- that finds this twisted pleasure in saying something profane. I mean, it, something happens when, when someone utters a word like that, especially in a, in a given setting, if it's more of a formal setting. Is it a shock value thing? What you know, it? actually, you bring up a really good point about something in our hearts. Because if you think about it, like language is one of the greatest, most beautiful gifts that the Lord has given us. Mm. I mean, he chooses to reveal himself to us through the spoken word, through language. He chooses to unite us as people, as couples, as family, through language. He has sovereignly given us words and language to express ourselves. In other words, it's like a part of God's beautiful creation and his calling on man is to be gardeners, to make wonderful things with his already made things. Mm. And instead we even take language and we contort it in such a way that is ugly. Perverted. Wow. Perverted. Oh, mm. well put. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. I mean, when you think about, you know, life and death being in the power of the tongue, I mean, the things that you can do to build people up with your words and at the same time destroy them, it's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, um, and, yeah. Um, and, um, and, um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then there's the useless <laughs> words. <laughs> and, um, and, um, yeah. All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by, no, I have a comment first. <laughs> my brain hey, is, you get brought to you by the My comment. brain is mush. We've been, friends, look, we've been doing these tops and tails because we did, uh, the, uh, interviews at G3, 11 of them. And so we we're sitting down to do all the tops and tails in one sitting. So if our brains are a bit jelly... You're going to have to describe what a top and tail is. Well, it means we did the interview. We're doing another one today that we'll tell you about in a second. Uh, we did the interviews, but we're sitting down and opening them up, introducing, and then we're closing them out. Hmm. 11 of them. So a comment from Mom Patriot. Girl for what is right. I find this podcast so informative and spiritually refreshing. I love the conversation and sharing of the gospel. I've already listened to five of these podcasts since last night. Definitely a new favorite of mine. Thank you, Living Waters Ministries, for all you do in the name of Jesus. May God continue to bless you all. Just one question, Mom Patriot. Why did you give us three stars on this review? Three stars? Three stars. It, oh. must, have been a, it must have been a mistake. Yes. So if you're hearing this, Mom Patriot, and you're still listening, uh, I think you might be able to change that. So please do. Yeah, and take it she's going to go two. back and be like, this is why I gave you three stars, and then you're going to regret it. Oh, she changes it to one star. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh no. Yeah. Keep them going. Still at five stars by God's grace and uh, grateful. From her. Except, except <laughs> in from spite her. of you, mom patriot. <laughs> we, right. we love but you anyway. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. No, thank you for that. We're heartened and encouraged to know that uh, you've been blessed by the podcast. All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by the basic training course. Boy, this is an oldie. I think, guys, 30,000 of these courses have wow. been around the world. Remember, this isn't like a tract or just a book. This is a big course. Uh, it's a higher-priced item. But uh, 30,000, and a lot of these were purchased by churches and groups. So you think of all the people that have been trained uh, in evangelism. And, Ray, mm. this came from uh, the Way the Master TV program. It did? I mean, it did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it yes, did. It's wonderful. Ray so moved on long ago on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did that. I don't remember that. Ray, you remember the first, fir- there was a first episode that you did record. That was the tomato thing, wasn't it? Was this on Way of the Master? Yeah. Yeah, we did it out on a, on a, a mountain in, in uh, Santa Monica Hills, and it was really, really hot. And then uh, Kirk and I ended up looking like tomatoes because we yeah, got sunburned. Wasn't there like a, a, there was some kind of screen? And they it. used white reflectors, which made us cry. It was so <laughs> bright. We had tears going, and it was painful. Yeah. Um, but that's the way it was. We've come away. Because the reflectors so. heated up the sun on our faces and made us tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes. Yeah. So make sure to check it out, friends. The basic training course. Don't forget the Living Waters Mog. I think we've got a new one coming soon. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah. One Tell- that doesn't leak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it, Oscar. This one's uh, kind of um, Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100 That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Is it it with the new? Yeah. It is, yeah. So it's got... Our faces on it. Sorry about that. But on the other side, <laughs> it has our new uh, our new closing phrase, which is the cure, the ultimate, the ultimate cure, cure for insomnia. insomnia. It's got some Z's on it too for the cool snoring. That's mm. right. Oh yes, that's right. I like the way that looks. Yeah, they're yeah. fun. Check them out on the website because uh, I think they look really cool. Yeah. You know, I saw a mug inside of a store, a left-handed store. For lefties. A what? You know, lefties have Here rights, too. Here we go. No, this is true. Yeah. And uh, it's designed for those who are left-handed. And the way they fixed that was they drilled a hole on the right side. So if you drink it like a right-hand person, it would make a big mess. <laughs> so you had to actually hold it. Are you serious, Yeah, that's serious. <laughs> oh, that is so creative. Uh, Something Ray would come what up person with. No, is, seriously, why, why? Every left-handed person drinks the same way we drink, don't they? No. Well, but the cup would not, the logo wouldn't face them. Oh, three kids. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Three yeah. kids that are left handed in my family. Seriously? Really? Really? Your kids? My yeah. brother's left handed. Wow. 
My son and my wife are ambidextrous. Really? Yeah. They can throw a ball with both hands? Both hands, Not equally, though, Oscar. They must have Uh, it. Pretty close. Really? And then what's crazy is, like, Levi writes with his left, prefers throwing with his right, but then kicks with his left foot. Wow. I feel physically sick at the thought of throwing a ball with my left hand. Prove it. It's just like, oh, it's just just something horrible about it. (laughs) Yeah, my grandson had in his left hand. I think he's the first in our family. Yeah. Arabs are are cruel. They, if your, make child, them if your child is left, they make them right-handed. How it's, could you do that? It's a culture it's thing. Terrible. They just... They, Throw this ball uh, a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, they tie up their hand or something. All right, friends, enough of the silliness. Don't forget the Living Waters mug, the Evidence Study Bible, all at livingwaters.com. All right, we are continuing with the G3 interviews. We had our brilliant brother, Mike Riccardi, from Grace Community Church, and the... Master Seminary, uh, join us. And boy, I like Mike. I could I could listen to him forever. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I don't know if we mentioned it, but Mike is like a linguist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he became is an it? expert in Italian. Italian yeah. Wow. Obviously, he knows the biblical languages, but I, I think he has a, a real knack for languages. Well, my PA in France speaks four languages. Oh, Manuel well. Manuel Bramley. Is that man? Well, well yes. <laughs> speaks Sorry. four languages. Couldn't help it. He was born in Mexico, came to the U.S., lived in. No, no, Canada. born in Mexico, lived in Canada, moved to the U.S., married a Russian woman, <laughs> lives in France. For real? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Owns a hotel. Yeah, we love Manuel. All right, friends, Mike Riccardi talked about how to effectively do outreach through the local church and other uh, brainiac who is involved in reaching the lost. So, without any further ado, here he is, our brother, Mike Riccardi. <laughs> <laughs> no, no snoring during this one. So we have had the fortune of being able to snag our good friend, Mike Riccardi. Anyone ever call you Michael? They do. Your mom and dad, maybe? Yeah, some yeah. people When call you're in Michael. trouble? Yep. <laughs> Michael. As you can tell, friends, we are still at G3, hustle and bustle everywhere. Although I got to say, unlike other places we've been, there isn't the circus of all kinds of craziness. Sometimes you get those at some of those conventions, but except for these two crazy guys. We bring the circus. Yeah. We are the circus. Yeah, there's a circus. <laughs> some on of us dress right like a circus. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and some of us dress, never mind. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, man, what a joy to have you with us, bro. Uh, we, I think we held you hostage for a while at Living Waters back in the day for uh, our equip segment. Yeah. yeah and that was were, like a marathon. That was a great time. Yeah. I'm glad to be with you guys. Well, you know what I loved about that the most before you give an introduction there was we were going towards the end there and our producer, Eddie, at the time was just going, wow, we're, we're going long. And I look over at Mike, and Mike goes, I think I can literally talk about theology all night long. <laughs> and I went, my man. Yeah, well, hey, listen, you get me started. This, what are better things to talk about? What are better things to be exercised about? So Amen. I can keep Amen. going as long as somebody wants to listen. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Mike, I want to I wanna first make it known that your role currently is a local outreach ministries pastor at Grace Community Church. How long have you been there? I've been in that position for over 11 years, and I've been at Grace Church for 14 years. Wow. What a run it's been. I mean, seriously, to, to get the privilege to serve under one of the giants of our time, what's that been like, working with John MacArthur? Oh, man. Um, amazing. The great privilege of, of my life. It's wonderful to hear John MacArthur, the preacher. It's wonderful to sit under sound teaching week in and week out. He had blessed me long before he ever knew who I was just through his ministry, but then to be under the ministry of John MacArthur, the pastor. Wow. A lot of times people think because of his, um, 
you know, the hard-hitting nature, the no-compromise nature of his preaching that he's somehow a hard person yeah. or not not a great shepherd. And it's just the it's just the opposite. He is the most gracious person I've ever met. And um, yeah, one of my favorite memories is when my twins were born. We had uh, some some health health complications that kept my daughter in the NICU for seven weeks. And he and Patricia came by and just kind of held the, the babies and prayed for them oh, and awesome. kind of cared for us. And seeing John MacArthur hold my son, John, mm-hmm. and then also pray for Olivia in her time of trouble. I mean, it was just uh, ministers to you. And, and he's the same exact guy in the pulpit that he is out, out of the pulpit. He is mm-hmm. the, there's no switch he turns on or off. When you're with him, he, you're the most important person in the room. Wow. Uh, he just gives of himself. It's been um, it, it, it's been a stewardship that I recognize has been entrusted to me. It's not just been a, a privilege, like a benefit for, to me, but I know that the Lord is saying, like, I have given you this uh, wonderful example of how ministry is to be carried out, and now, you know, I'm going to ask that of you. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that because we talk about that a lot. You know, Ray, Ray Comfort's the same way. Uh, people think, you know, because especially standing on a soapbox going toe-to-toe with atheists, he's just this, like, yeah, most humble, gentle, kind of, actually hates confrontation. People mm-hmm. don't realize that about Ray, yeah. you know. And, uh, again, lives what he preaches. What you see is who he is behind the scenes. So, well, what a what a great privilege you get in that regard. And uh, I'm sure many are impacted because of his example in your life. Mm, so, I, I hope so. Yeah. Well, Mike, uh, also you're involved at the seminary. What do you do there? Yeah, so now I'm a uh, professor of theology there. I started that in, I forget when, a couple years ago, January 21, maybe, where I get to, yeah, I get to teach theology to the seminary students, and that's technically my full-time job now, and we get to do the outreach stuff on the side. That's great. Good stuff. So we want to jump into some, some questions about local church outreach. We're excited that you do that because, sadly, not a lot of churches do. And the fact that Grace Community Church has someone in your role to facilitate that is just, I mean, you know, with what we do, it's music to our ears. So, biblically speaking first, what would you say the role of the local church is in the life of the believer? Well, the local local church is uh, God's plan for... The, the nations in this era, right? In this age, he's going to make disciples via the local church. We're going to go out, we're going to speak his gospel, whereby enemies are turned into friends, where uh, those who are haters of God are turned into lovers of God by the proclamation of the gospel. And when those, uh, when God is pleased to give grace and grant salvation, then the local church gathers those who have turned to Christ from sin into these local churches where they're cared for, where they're equipped, where they're taught, certainly first where they're, where they're baptized, right? Baptizing yeah. and teaching them all that I have uh, commanded you. And, and so the local church is the life of the believer. It's the family of God. There is no, there is no Christianity without the local church. Yeah, that's good. Kind of a follow-up question to that is, what do Christians who don't attend a local church, who are unfortunately satisfied by listening to sermons online, what are they missing out on? The Christian life, period. I mean, uh, even that even that concept of the Christians who don't attend a local church sounds, it sounds like jumbo shrimp to me. It sounds, it sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. I have a serious, I have serious questions about the, the faith of anybody who professes Christ and uh, doesn't join themselves to a local body because, you know, the one who loves the father loves the child born of him, First John 5. And, 
the reality the reality is is everyone who's united to Christ is also united to everybody else who's united to Christ and you know your profession of love for sort of this invisible universal body of Christ rings hollow when you won't uh, devote yourself in meaningful accountability to a, a particular expression of that universal body. Look, I understand that not every church is, is sound, that not everybody has a sound church in their area, but what's what's more important than that? I mean, you need to you need to get up and move. You know, look look for a job in a place where you can build your your family around a sound ministry of the gospel. So, um, watching sermons online, what are you missing? You, you know, it, it's not it, church is not a movie theater where I hear instruction. You know, church is the the living, breathing body of Christ where the one and others are practiced, where the word of God is not just broadcast to you as if in in sort of shotgun form. But that it's it's applied to you specifically with the care of a shepherd who knows your life, and who says, you know, look, we're, we're all more we're all more apt to judge ourselves more leniently. We're all more apt to say, oh yeah, I'm doing I'm doing fine in that. That's a I'm faithful in that area, yeah. and have blinders to where our deficiencies are. And so, brothers and sisters who know your life, pastors and elders who know your life, and can say, yeah, you heard that sermon and you amend it from beginning to end, but your life doesn't quite match that. Let me bring this particular word to bear in this particular aspect of your life so that now I'm not just agreeing with sound theology, I'm living it. I'm I'm forced to look at my life, turn from my sin, and follow after Christ in the day by day. That's good. Yeah, Mark, we're always talking about that, the, the value of the church and the life of the believer, how bankrupt we'd be without the church. Yeah, you know, COVID gave us a a glimpse into that. And sadly, what we've seen is people leaving the church and now are doing church online. What what does that mean? What is it? I'm doing church online. My pastor, I have a pastor. I've never met him. Yeah. Right. I, I love these guys. No, listen, you're not loving them because you're not listening to what they're saying. I mean, if they're really good, solid uh, teachers and pastors and shepherds, overseers, bishops, these people who want to really speak into our lives, they're going to tell you, go be part of the local church. Yeah. That's what they're going to tell you. They're going to call you to repentance, that you need to come accountable to the people that are within your local sphere of where you live. Yeah. So you know what? Maybe you need to move. Maybe you need to move into an area. And listen, God, God honors. Where God guides, he provides. We say it all the time. He can lead you and guide you into an area where there's sound doctrines, sound theology, and where you can serve, where people can use the giftings that you have now to serve to a capacity and to a degree for which you are designed to give. Remember that we have, say, an evangelist. An evangelist, though he should share his faith, an evangelist, by and large, will equip other people how to share their faith. Of course, he's sharing his faith, yeah. but he's going to multiply after himself. Yeah. The thing that's interesting to me in the rise of churchless Christians, I'm using air quotes for those who can't see, is that at that same time, there are so many people who are reporting access levels of loneliness and depression and isolation. And there are so many people who are like, I want a stronger Christian faith. I want to feel, experience, know God better, but I'm struggling. And they're not connecting the dots. Like God has saved you out of anonymity 
into gospel community so that he could do his work in and through you. Yeah, and if you're listening to sound preaching, it's going to create an appetite for that in you. And so imagine like the dissonance there. I'm listening to sound preaching. I think that that's what church is. And in in the midst of that, uh, God is creating and he's sanctifying my affection. So I'm longing for the community that local church ministry provides and is designed to give me. But at the same time, I'm refusing to do that. It's like listening to somebody talk about an amazing meal they had while while fasting. You know what I mean? Right, and right, and you just, oh, right. I'm really hungry. I wish I had somebody to satisfy my hunger, but I can't go out to eat. I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, that's, yeah, you're shooting yourself in the foot. There are commands of the New Testament that cannot be obeyed apart from meaningful membership to a particular yeah. local body. Yeah, and Mike, on that note, you know, consumerism is at an all-time high. And today I think we have more than ever the rise of the consumer Christian. You know, I go to get but I'd love you to speak to what the responsibility is of the Christian to and through the local church. Oh, yeah. I mean, Paul says, I, you know, I, it, you know I, it's my joy to, be, to spend and be expended for your souls. He talks mm-hmm. about dying every day, bearing about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal body. The way that we, we give our lives away in Christianity, in a way, I mean, obviously, we, we don't do it the way Jesus did it. He gave his life, you know, for the, as a substitute for sinners. But we are called to follow him in the laying down of our lives for the sake of the building up of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You're in, you're, your life is given to you as a stewardship to give away in the service of presenting every man complete in Christ. Mm. And that's not just for pastors, right? The pastors equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and then those saints practice the one another's and sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron, so that eventually we, we are all putting away sin more faithfully, putting on righteousness more faithfully. You're designed to go into the local church and pray for your pastors and pray for your fellow Bible study members and yeah. to speak the word of God unto the edification of fellow sinners who you know need uh, encouragement and who need instruction. You're there to, to help people move. You're there to uh, provide counsel when a child apostatizes or dies or when to, to be in a wedding party when people get married and celebrate the joys of life as well. Y- again, like you're there to to serve your brothers and sisters, to, to give your life away, to, to make them all that they ought to be, and they to make all you ought, you ought to be uh, unto the glory of Christ. How helpful is, is the Reformation in this? Because I, as you're talking, I'm thinking back to like reading, so much of the Reformation was about, about re-emphasis on the priesthood of all believers. And, you know, people went to church back then thinking, oh, well, the sacred is what they're doing over there, mm. and we're here to observe and maybe glean a piece of it. But then the reformers came along and said, no, 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 the priesthood of all believers, like the things that are happening in the church happens in the body, in the pulpit. So how helpful, like, do we almost need another reformation in the sense of understanding the priesthood of all believers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could always use another reformation, <laughs> uh, pray, for, pray for revival. Um, no. But yeah, I, that that is the case. We we need uh, to understand that that is our role, right? We we are each ministers of the truth that we have been saved by. If you are reconciled to God, He's entrusted you with the ministry of reconciliation, Second Corinthians five, yeah. and that's why we we call people to evangelize. But at the same time, right? If He's if He saved you by this word, He's called you to to speak this world word, even in that same context of royal priesthood, First Peter two. It says he's called you out of darkness 
to proclaim his excellencies. You've been saved by an excellent God to proclaim his excellencies, Amen. not only to unbelievers, but to believers right. who need to hear of the of the God that they worship. They need to, to study his character, who need to hear of the gospel by which they've been saved as a, a, a boon and a strength, a motivation unto holy living. So yeah, we, we really are ministering the things of God to one another. Yeah. You know, Mike, you used the word serve and service a few times in, in what you were saying. What steps should Christians take to discover the specific areas of the church that they're most fit to serve in? Because mm. that's a big part, obviously, of us being part of the body. Yeah, so, I mean, first I would say join yourselves in, in meaningful membership to a local congregation where you're basically asking overseers, elders, qualified men of God, to keep watch over your soul and to give in a, an assessment of, of your character. Yeah. And then once you do that, uh, where you've basically invited their oversight into your life, then ask them what you might be able to do. Now, and I think they'll probably tell you, well, what are you interested in doing? And so par- part of discerning your gifting and your, you know, sort of where, where God is equipping you to serve it starts with desire. It's not, it doesn't end with desire, but it starts with, what do I want to do? Yeah, what, don't what overthink does, it. Right, yeah. No. And so then if you want to do something, bring it up to those who are in charge of that thing. Hey, I, I, I might be interested in, in joining you on this particular ministry. Like and then the golf you, outreach. Right, yeah, yeah there you go. The golf <laughs> <laughs> and so you go and you do it, and then the question becomes, is there benefit to the body of Christ through what you've just done. So not only do you enjoy it, not only has God given you a desire for it, but is he blessing his people through your efforts? And if so, and if you know your overseers affirm your your giftedness and your character for that particular ministry, then boom, you know, you've got it. So desire, character, gifting. You know, there's an assumption that I mean we throw that word out there, but there's just an assumption because it's within our circles, and that is membership. But we saw that there's a lot of non-denominations, denominations out there that don't require church membership. You just want to come and be part of our church. You're part of our church. However you want to even define that. I'd love for you to talk for just a moment on the importance of membership and why do we have membership specifically? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, first of all, in the book of Acts, you have, you know, the 3,000 were added to their number, the 2,000 were added to their number. Somebody was counting, and it was more than just heads on a Sunday morning. It was, oh, okay, you want to follow the Messiah as well. You want to be among us. You believe that what happened here in Jerusalem in these last days was, you know, the ends of the ages coming upon us and the, and the, the long-promised coming one coming and fulfilling all these prophecies, right? Yes, wow. yes, I believe that. That requires some kind of interaction and some kind of, and yeah, I'm, I'm happy to stay here in Jerusalem from where I journeyed from in order to be part of the community of the new covenant people of God. And so the apostles needed to be able to discern these people are legitimate. So there was some sort of interview, you know, whether it was the apostles themselves or the deacons or whoever was engaging, there was some sort of referendum on, yes, this person is a follower of Christ. Let's baptize him and add him to our number. Then you get, like, when people start moving from place to place, you hear about letters of commendation in the Mm -hmm. ancient world in the the decades following, where someone's going to go from the Church of Jerusalem to the Church of Corinth, and you're going to have references in the New Testament to, you know, receive this so-and-so, he's refreshed me in the Lord, or, you know, his faith is the same as ours, and, and take him into your number, treat this men, men like this well. They, they would give letters of recommendation from elders to elders so that they knew this wasn't a huckster trying to take advantage of the hospitality of goodwilled people, but this is a brother who we need to, we need to serve. How do they, how do they 
do that. They needed to know the character of those people. And then when you think about what it means to be a shepherd and not just like a, a CEO or a manager, but Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, obey your leaders and submit to them as those who will who keep watch over your souls. They, they do this as those who will give an account. So yeah. we're going to actually have to, to stand before Christ to give an account for those who have come to us and said, I want you to be my shepherd in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And so if you just kind of show up on, if you don't have membership, right, people show up to your church on Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, but then they don't come back for another two, and then they can maybe come back for the fourth, and then it's two months before they come back. Are you accountable for that sheep right. or not? Yeah. And if you are, my goodness, like, you know, that that's a very, that's a very fearful thing for me to be accountable to somebody who, I ha- hasn't even come to me and said, yeah, I want to entrust myself to you. Yeah. And if I am accountable for those people and they don't first come to me and say, be accountable for me, now I'm, am I having to exercise a heavy handedness with somebody? Like, hey, you showed up, so I'm guessing you want me to oversee mm. your Christian life. Well, wait a second. No, I don't want that. Get out of my business. It becomes unworkable. It's impossible. So church membership, while there's no you know passage of the New Testament that says, this is how church membership is to go, you sign this application, it's assumed and presumed upon in every New Testament book. Yeah. I think there's, there's two often questions that come about uh, in our process of introducing church membership to new believers or believers that went to churches that did not have membership. And the first is there's this like aversion to authority. Uh, there's like, ooh, like this just feels authoritative and structured. And, and the first thing for us, we always say is, hey, listen, like the authority assigned by God to the local church when done in a biblical manner is for his glory and your good. There's nothing, there's no need to revolt against yeah. godly biblical authority that is given to you as a gift. That's the first thing we say. And the second thing is there's also... Um, people view their membership almost, you mentioned consumeristic earlier. There's like, well, I'm going to be here, but you know, it's like a Netflix account. I've got Netflix, but you know, as soon as Amazon Prime comes out with a new show, I'm going to cancel Netflix and go over here. And often there are so many people that treat their membership at their church in the same way. Like as soon as I hear preaching, that's more fun or music that's better. And so the, the, the way we describe it, this isn't like a Netflix membership. This is like a family membership. Mm-hmm. You are committing to us and we are committing to you yeah. to both know you and love you and pursue sanctification with you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, from a practical standpoint, you think about the protection of the church. You bring someone into your number, you allow them to serve. You have no idea what their theological perspective is, uh, you know, on doctrine. You have no idea where they stand morally. You have no, and then you have no recourse to be able to, to, you know, call them to account or to remove them from something. Cause this is Everyone who comes is automatically a member. You know what I mean? So right. it's really tragic when you look at the byproduct of what, what's resulted because of that. It's yeah. kind of hard to excommunicate somebody who isn't a member. Yeah. Sure. Right. Just, I'll just leave before, any, before it gets too hot. I mean, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, We request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who have charge over you in the Lord. So yeah. the concept of having charge over another in the Lord is, a, is an explicitly biblical notion. Yeah. And we, we look, there are, there are authority submission structures built throughout life. You know, children submit to parents. Right. Wives are called to submit to their husbands. All of us as citizens are called to submit to the government in, civil, in the civil sphere. You know, we, we do that because we recognize things can't function otherwise. Yeah. So when God introdu- introduces this other authority submission structure in, you know, with, between church members and their overseers, it, it's, it's as, as much for their good as it is for the good of families, the good of marriages, the good of societies, yeah. how we're going to function otherwise. And right. yeah, and when, and when 
And I, for me, I mean, I know now I occupied the position of authority, so it could seem a little bit self-serving. But even when I didn't, I was always eager to say, I, I want to make this oversight that you have, this this stewardship that you have over my soul, a joy and not a grief. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says yeah. that too. So mm-hmm. I, I want you to be able to have your job done easily because what does what what the writer of Hebrews say? Because if you let them do this with joy and not with grief, Otherwise, this would not be profitable for you, right? Right? It's it's to it's to the sheep's benefit that the shepherds are joyfully laboring over them and caring for them and watching out for them. I'm blind to my own sins, my own corruptions. I'm more apt to be lenient with myself where I shouldn't be, yeah. and I need the watchful eye of somebody trained in the Word to be able to come alongside and say, "No, brother, you're out of step." You know, they're not here to to give me a hard time or rain on my parade or, or just sort of exert authority over me yeah. needlessly. They're here to say, you're out of step. I want the best for you and you need to get back in line. Amen. Mike, uh, I, I want to get into outreach. What would you say are the main areas of outreach that a church should be engaged in? Main areas. You should be pre- you should be preaching the gospel in whatever area the Lord, you know, providentially opens to you. I mean, uh, at our church, we have, uh, I think the, the heart and soul of a local outreach ministry in a local church should be door-to-door evangelism. So yeah. where, where my church is situated is in a neighborhood, and uh, there are neighbors that walk by my church, that drive by my church. I don't want to drive past them to go to do evangelism somewhere else if I'm not already engaging them in some way. Now, they say, hey, leave me alone, then I'll, I'll move on, right? But I, first of all, I want to be making sure that my the, my neighbors know that there's a local church there that preaches the gospel, that loves Jesus, and wants to serve them. Mike, and, what does that look like? You knock on the door. Ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. First thing you say is, I'm Sounds not like a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you say? I, uh, I had a friend who summarized it with the acronym NEW, right? Uh, your name, your establishment, and what you're doing there, or why you're there. <laughs> and so, hi, my name is Mike. I'm from Grace Community Church. You might notice the church that uh, makes it difficult to cross the street on Sunday mornings. Um, <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're, we're just, we're here with uh, several of our, our friends uh, just wanting to talk with people about the gospel. Do you, do you guys go to church? And wow. then that starts a, a conversation. Yeah. No, it's good. Now, what, what are some of the things you guys do at Grace? I mean, I, I was reading about a prison ministry, yeah. and you guys, you guys also do outreach on the behalf of life, right? The abortion Absolutely. clinic. Tell us about that. Yeah. So after your door-to-door just talking to your neighbors, I think that the most uh, important ministry that we could have is to, you know, going outside of abortion clinics and preaching Amen. the gospel and offering mm-hmm. help to those who uh, would would you know, be willing not to kill their children, right? Uh, it's the, it, it is the preeminent social injustice of our day. It's the, it's the, the issue that takes the most life at the highest rate of the defend, most defenseless people. And so I think that kind of rockets it to the top of our, our list of our priorities. And when, and we go, uh, 10 minutes away, there's an abortion clinic, uh, chemical and surgical abortions twice a, a week. And so we just, we send decoys in there to uh, find out when those are because they change the dates and times on us. Wow. Um, but for right now, it's Wednesdays and, and Fridays at 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. So we send a team there every time. And uh, we're engaging people on the way into the parking lot. We're engaging people on the street as they pass by. And we're, we're actually preaching with the use of directed amplification uh, into the waiting room of an abortion love clinic. It. Love and it. people have come out and said... And we asked them, you know, what, why are you coming out? And they say, well, because of the preaching that we heard through the window. Wow. Um, and we've been able to get pictures of babies saved and oh. uh, people come to the church. They get 
diapers and baby clothes and things like that. Yeah. We partner with a, a gospel-centered pregnancy center in the area about 10 minutes from there. They're staffed by some members of Grace Church, led by former members of Grace Church. Is and that the banquet Ray spoke at? Yes, a while yeah, ago. Open yeah. Arms Pregnancy Clinic. And so we have places to send them for an ultrasound. We have places to send them for you know diapers and clothes. You know, we throw, we've thrown baby showers for people who have chosen not to to kill their children. Yeah. So that's a that's a huge ministry, and and it's really something to be preaching the gospel and, and really the Lord's judgment so close to what you know is happening in there. And it's just, it's, it's in a very emotional, tumultuous ministry, but you know, God gives grace and yeah. So should the local church have some sort of a fund, a benevolent fund? I don't know what it is for single moms or for people in need. I mean, it seems to me that we, we know that pro-life clinics outnumber abortion mills, but the local church is not doing enough. Mm. Right. What I mean, can the local church do? Right. I think I think that more than anything, you need people. You know, and yeah. and and more than a fund. I mean, I think that that's that's a good thing. If you say I, you know, I I trust these people to administrate these funds to people who need them as judged by sound thinking. That's that's great. But more than even that, you know, local churches need to equip their members to be hospitable to women who show up having nothing to do with church, not really getting anything, who might otherwise be looked down upon for being a single mom, you know, or a single pregnant woman or something like that. Yeah. And, and to just say, no, 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 we create a culture of welcoming those people to minister to yeah. them. And you need something, come over. Let's have dinner. You have dinner at my house. I'm going to throw you the baby shower. I'm going to mm. get you the diapers you need, that sort of a thing. It's not sort of throw money at an invisible account as much as it's be ready to open your home and then meet specific needs. Yeah. That actually brings me to my, the, the next question I had for you, but in a more natural way, which is so many churches they have, especially people I know who follow our ministry, they're passionate about outreach and evangelism, and they might have a team or two or three, but it isn't a church culture thing. How do you go from this is something that this few does at my church to this is a part of the DNA yeah. of our yeah. church? Yeah, How do you it, inspire the people to get involved in yeah, it's, it's it's something that you're always doing. No church has arrived at that because you're always bringing in folks who are newer to Christianity and who are on the beginning, the beginnings of discipleship. So, you know, there's there's a part of it where it's like come and sit and soak for a second and learn how to be a Christian. And then once you do that, then do they when the maturity gets there, then they start looking around going, okay, how can I give this blessing to others? So part of it, I mean, really from top to bottom, it's we preach Christ. The answer is we preach Christ. You preach Christ, you preach your, your people full of Jesus, and it will be the kind of thing where it, 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 it just oozes out of people. You know, they talked about, Spurgeon said you prick John Bunyan and he bleeds Bibline, right? You know, if you preach people full of a, of a compassionate Savior, God, a very God, who took to himself the weakness of human flesh, yet without sin, and who endured the temptations of Satan, the mockery of the people he came to save, the punishment of the cross, the wrath of God, rose again in victory over all of it for the sake of your soul, so that he could reconcile you to the God you alienated by your own sin and deserved to perish for, right? If you preach them full of that gospel— it can't be long before they say, i gotta, I got to say this to somebody. You, you, yeah. Let me tell you the wonderful things that Jesus has done for my soul. And so, and, and so it's that coupled with, if you were saved by a gospel wherein your Savior counted himself nothing and preferred the interests of others to his own, 
Can you show that grace that you've been shown? You've received that grace vertically from heaven to you. Now, can you bend that grace out horizontally to others? Not because you're trying to earn salvation, but because it's been so graciously given to mm. you. If you preach them full of that, they'll be asking, how, how can I do this? Direct me. Yeah. And, and that's what we are. We're facilitators of obedience. Yeah. Now, Mike, I know there's people listening that are saying, well, I am involved in, in local outreach through my church. But man, I feel so inadequate. I feel like I fail so much while doing it. I may be feeling really burned out. Mm. What words of encouragement would you have for them? Well, you're certainly not alone. I mean, I think that we all we all fail at it. We have an interaction. We say, "Man, I should have said this way," or I, you know, I, I wish I would have thought of that then. And and that, you know what? That is just part of growth. That is just part of doing it. Get up back on the bike and, and do it again. You know what I mean? You fall off the horse. Get up and, and ride again. You know, you learn by making mistakes and bettering them, correcting them as you go on. And in terms of burnout, you know, look, there's no shame in saying I've been giving every single Friday night to preaching at the train station or whatever it is or going going tracting at the mall or whatever and I actually need some time for my family or I need some time for a different ministry. It, it's fine to get a respite. It's fine to take a breather that way it, as long as you recognize that evangelism is not just I attend this program on this night to do this thing, right? For the believer, just because you don't attend a particular evangelistic ministry doesn't mean that you're not evangelizing in your entire sort of the warp and woof of your life. You go to the grocery store, you go to the bank, you go here or there, you interact with unbelievers, and it should be, you know, the the tenor of your life to be regularly speaking the gospel to unbelievers, even just as you interact. If if you need a break from a particular program, take that break and, and just do it under the oversight of your leaders so that they can encourage you if they think you're being lazy. You know what I right. mean? If you need a rest, take a rest. Just don't don't get indolent and build some accountability where you can get back into the ring soon after. How, how does somebody approach their pastor who doesn't support evangelism? Mm. And you have these congregants that are just saying, man, I want to go out. Uh, I, maybe I, I'd love to make an announcement. I can't make an announcement. Uh, how do I approach my pastor? We get yeah. that question all the time. Yeah. I would ask your pastor to ask if you can take him to lunch or if you, if, you know, invite him to dinner and just ask him, you know, hey, listen, I have a, a desire to uh, see a ministry like this happen in the church. I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it is that I need to do to bring it about. What do you think about that? Uh, is it? I, I would want to find the aversion, right? Is it, I, I don't like this kind of ministry. Open-air preachers are weird, right? So I don't want yeah. my church to have open-air preachers. Or is it, oh, I'd be glad for open-air preaching. I just don't think you need to be doing that because you are less mature than you evaluate yeah. yourself to be. I, I would want to invite that kind of criticism and just open open the, the floodgates and not be offended. Try to convince your pastor you won't be offended by his evaluation hard for me to say aside from like what those responses would be but just I think go in there believe the best I want to help I want to be part of the solution um, yeah. but maybe if you think that I shouldn't be part of the solution like then can I can you help me right. get to where I could be you know of the of the maturity level to do something like yeah. this yeah. Good. Mike what part of local outreach are you most personally passionate about and why oh my goodness I think well in, in my role it's it's training it's training the members who are genuinely gifted by God to do that ministry to just have an outlet where they can exercise their gifts. Oh. Uh, though it's my it's been my job to oversee that department and make sure everything runs well. And though I love preaching the gospel and and uh, I'm glad to have made that a discipline in my life, I don't know that I have the gift of evangelism. My buddy Sheldon over there, he he's got the gift of evangelism for sure. I'm not sure that that's that's a particular gift that God has given me, but I'm glad to be obedient and and open my mouth and speak the gospel. So for me, I think 
what uh, is the the best part for me is to take folks who are gifted like that, but who are a little bit unwieldy, and yeah. set them on, and who are zealous, but set them on the right track and, and sort of hone that zeal into a righteous uh, expression. That's great. Well, brother, you have a new book coming out. I'd love you to tell the people uh, the title and where they can find it. Okay, yeah. So I just uh, published a book with Wipfenstock called To Save Sinners. It's from the language of uh, 1 Timothy one fifteen. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief. And it's, uh, it's actually my, my doctoral dissertation on the extent of the atonement. So yeah. the, the controversial question of for whom did Christ die? It's, it's a little bit heady. It's, it's my refutation of a mediating view between uh, unlimited and limited atonement. So I, yeah. I defend classic particular redemption. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in seeing and understanding what it is that Christ accomplished on the cross and why saying that it was for the elect alone doesn't diminish evangelistic zeal or anything else, that would be a book that would be great. You can you can order it, obviously, directly from the publisher. You can get it on Amazon. If you're here at the G3 conference, you can... Uh, pick it up at one of the tables, uh, the G3 press table or at the uh, speaker book table. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and the name Mike, of the book again is what? To Save Sinners. To Save Sinners. Yeah. And Mike, by the way, friends, is now a bonafide movie star. You can mm-hmm. see him in The Essential Church. We, we saw it in the theater. We'll talk more with Phil Johnson about that. But what a great movie, man. Yeah. So It was a joy to be a part of that. And, and we'll see that on uh, tomorrow night. I think they're going to show it. Yeah. yeah. So make sure to look that up, friends, probably for download, The Essential Church. Mike, how can people find out more about your ministry, get in, get in contact with your ministry? Yeah. Just, I mean, gracechurch.org is the uh, link to Grace Community Church in Los Angeles. My, my sermons are on a website called thegracelifepulpit.com, where I share a, a fellowship group, of basically an adult Sunday school class alongside Phil Johnson, where both of our, our sermons are all there. And you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Check them out, friends. Mike, thanks for joining us, brother. This was awesome. Thanks I wish we had like 10 hours. I know we could keep going. <laughs> thanks for so having me, guys. We'll have to do a part two. It's always a blessing. All right. God bless. Interesting to hear someone like Mike say, hey, I don't think I'm particularly gifted in this or it's my strength, mm-hmm. but I'll still do it and trust the Lord with it. That really heartened me to hear that. Hmm. Yeah, I think we can all apply it to ourselves too because the Lord calls us to be diligent no matter what our, our strengths and, and weaknesses are. Yeah. And, you know what I think well. of when I think, of, I, I've got a friend who's a, a doctor, we do, and he said he spent his entire 20s inside the library, just studying from 20 all the way to 28. All he did was study, 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 take tests, and he became a doctor. I think of that kind of with Mike Riccardi, right? So many people have so many different hobbies, and he's just kind of chosen that his hobby be one of, I'm going to study God's Word. I want to get it right early on in life so that I can teach people the rest of my life. And that's not to say he doesn't study anymore, obviously, but uh, he is definitely a student of God's Word, uh, somebody that I desire to emulate. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and a brilliant writer as well. We mentioned the book with him on the podcast. I'm sure we'll see a lot more from him. And Ray, how encouraging that there's a church that has someone who's dedicated to local outreach. You know, oftentimes churches are focused on missions, send people out, but they're not doing anything at home. And so when those people go out, they replicate the church there and don't do anything where they're planted, and they just look to send other people out. Yeah, all it needs is one person. They can stir a whole church. You, if, if you've got the, the enthusiasm to do it, you can get a group around you and get that group to enthuse others. Snoring, or yawning, shall I say, is contagious. Oh, if I yawn now, you can... Here we go. T- <clears throat> oh, no. <sighs> oh, 
Yeah, but so is enthusiasm. <laughs> Your zeal is provoked very many, scriptures say. And enthusiasm provokes enthusiasm. It's like a fire. So if one person in, in a local church can get enthusiastic about the lost and begin talking about a moral responsibility to reach out to them, it can stir the conscience in the whole church. Amen. All right, friends. Well, there you have it. Don't forget podcastofthelivingwithdodgers.com with your thoughts and comments and all that good stuff. Remember to give us ratings and comments. And don't forget the basic training course, Living Waters Mug, the Evidence Study Bible, all at livingwaters.com. Thank you for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast. The ultimate cure for insomnia. Don't do it. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.